Hey, Salim, have you seen my Blastoise? Hey, Brendan. No, I haven't. Show me. I'd sure like to see it. <laughs> Wouldn't you? Whoa. Where the hell is this guy? I'm Ash from Tangelo Island. Uh, okay. I thought you were from Palatown. You want a battle, huh? Uh, I don't have a Pokemon. Uh, Brendan, a little help here, please? Done and done. Let's go, Blastoise. Blastoise! Hey there, Rhyhorn! Did he just call your Blastoise a Rhyhorn? Blastoise used dodge and then followed up with a skull bash. Blastoise. Blastoise! Woo! Oh man, your Blastoise just rocked his Pikachu with one hit. Brendan, your Blastoise is awesome. <laughs> Are you sick, man? That's an awful lot of blood loss. Don't worry, I'll be just fine. Let's get going. Pikachu! Now, I don't know if there's a Pokemon Center near here, but there's a vet down the road. Maybe go there. Thanks, Professor. What? Uh, all right, man. Take care. Thanks, sissy. Sissy? Ugh. These goddamn millennials. What's up, everybody? And welcome to the House of Mario, the award-winning Nintendo podcast on the hashtag 8 Collective. And the doors to episode 93 are officially open. I am one of your co-hosts, Brendan White. You can find me just about everywhere at Brendan A. Fitz. And joining me, my usual partner in crime from another life, Salim Abraham. Find him at Salim TD. How you doing, man? Hey, man. I'm doing really well. I'm doing really well. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, you know, unfamiliar surroundings here, but, uh, you know, it feels nice and homely. Uh, this is not our usual... Uh, our usual gig, so uh, apologies in advance, listeners, uh, sitting there going, hey, am I on the right station here? You are. This is the House of Mario podcast, but we are replacing Drew and Bryce for this week's festivities. Uh, Dream, do you want to sort of lead in about who we are and what the heck we're doing here? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so who are we? We are two of three podcast hosts from another podcast called The Hungry Gamers, which if you have checked out the hashtag 8-Bit Collective, um, which the House of Mario is on, you'll know that we are also part of that same network, the 8-Bit Network. Um, and the reason we're here, uh, I guess we're just really fortunate that the Bryce and Drew were happy to just throw us the keys to the house for one, one fateful episode. Um, we're both part of another network called the AGPN, which is a collective of podcasts uh, that that all talk about video games and love video games and and uh, are just crazy enough to put their voices on microphones. And, and the AGPN decided to do this this thing where we swap shows and formats for just one episode, um, just for a bit of fun, just to play with something that's a bit different and try something new. And, and so Brendan and I are here today and Bryce and Drew, if you do miss them, that's okay, because you can go over to our show, The Hungry Gamers, where they will be releasing episode 148, I think. You are bang the on the money. Gamers. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So episode 148 is now available. So um, as you're listening to this episode, once you are done consuming us through your ear holes into your hearts, head on over to The Hungry Gamers. We are on just about every podcast platform known to man. And give a listen to episode 148 as well as all the other episodes in our uh, back catalogue. There is quite a few humdingers in there. But uh, yeah, Dream, it, it feels sort of like we've uh, we've broken into 
dad's liquor cabinet at the moment. It's very, very sort of cheeky, sort of sneaking around the uh, house of Mario here, not wanting to touch too many things. Um, there is quite a bit of a uh, Bowsette hentai art on the walls in here. Um, I'd be scared to run a blue light through this place just quietly. It is, uh, it is quite the place to behold, though. Brendan, I don't know if I've told you this before, but I've actually been here before. Not to really? record, yeah, not to record an episode. No, no, no. Bryce and Drew lured me in here one day, and it's kind of like um, the it's like the gingerbread house. No, not the gingerbread house. It's like the house in Hansel and Gretel where like everything looks great from the outside. It just looks like mm-hmm. an absolute delight. Like you just look at it and you see that it's just made of candy and you think, yes. And so you go in and it all still looks good, but something kind of goes wrong. And that's kind of what happened to me last time I was here. I won't tell you about it too much now. I guess there's plenty of time to talk about that later. But uh, let's just say I've been here before. It, it is a nice house, just, just not when Bryson drew here. That is very foreboding. Um, So so I guess to try and put a little bit of a positive spin on episode 93 of The House of Mario, maybe we'll do a little bit of a flex of our Nintendo muscle just to sort of prove any naysayers that might be listening to the episode wrong. You know, who are these gaming podcast posers here trying to, you know, steal this Nintendo flair? So let's... Let's maybe talk about our origin stories with Nintendo, uh, what you remember as sort of childhood memories, maybe consoles that were dear to your heart, maybe games that were, you know, have a special place in those emotions as well. Dream, where where's it all start with you as far as Nintendo? Uh, so I, I'm, I'm born in 1990. Um so I, I consider myself to be a 90s kid. I think you probably, you're quite close. You're like 87 or 88. From I, I am 86, 86, sadly. Sorry, listeners. I am the uh, the oldest probably guest slash host slash whatever on the House of Mario. Oh. But uh, that doesn't mean I'm still not cool like the hip young kids, you know. I can steal Nintendo. Don't worry about that. Yeah, well, I uh, think but you I, have... I'm sort of a 90s kid though anyway because yeah. like, I was four or five in the 90s. So Exactly. You know? No, but go I, on. I, and so, and that was the point I was trying to illustrate is that we both probably lived, um, you know, at the height of, not at the height, but maybe just the, maybe the funnest time to be a kid, which was the era of the Game Boy. And my earliest gaming memories are all Nintendo memories. Um, I remember playing like Super Mario World on the Super Nintendo when I was probably like three or four. It was just, it was kind of the Mm -hmm. iPhone that the parents had at the time. It was the thing that they could just get kids to do just to not kill themselves um, while your parents take a probably, you know, long needed break. Um, So yeah, I I have like really fond memories of growing up with Nintendo and around Nintendo. And I was probably at the perfect age for Pokemon as well when that craziness hit. So um, I remember, you know, Christmas of 98, getting a Game Boy Pocket and Pokemon Red. It was it was kind of the, the most special Christmas of my life, uh, I think, just in terms of what I felt on that day and how excited I was to get it. Uh, and it set up, I guess, uh, a life and love for gaming uh, ever since. So Nintendo definitely has very, very fond, a very fond place in my heart. Yeah, I'm, I'm sort of similar, like sort of a parallel story, I guess, to yours as well, where... The, the first console, like, I remember as a kid, we had an Atari 2600 when I was like a tiny little little chap and, you know, didn't really have the full appreciation of games from, from an ownership perspective. But I remember getting our Super Nintendo for Christmas. It would have been, it would have been 93-ish, something like that. We didn't get it sort of that launch window in that sort of 91, 92, but it would have been probably Christmas 93. 
and similar, like getting um, Super Mario World and Mario Kart and things like that. And I remember my uncle and I um, playing through Super Mario Brothers 3 together. He was Mario, I was Luigi and going from World 1 all the way through to World 8, <laughs> not using any whistles to skip skip levels or worlds. And sort of that was the first game that actually fully completed front to back um, in my gaming history. So that'll always sort of have a little special place on the uh, on the emotional shelf. But um. Yeah, the the SNES was was the king for me. You know, I spent hundreds of hours on that as a little kid, and and obviously, as you you sort of pointed towards, like it was probably a good little safe haven for parents to just park you in front of the old CRT television and sort of you know let you get lost on on the SNES for a while. And then I remember um, a couple of years on getting getting Game Boys, just like you mentioned. Like I got um, Pokemon Blue, and my sister got Pokemon Red. Um, I got one of the black sort of skinned sort of Game Boys and I think she got like a red one if I remember right. And I remember just sort of sitting there and getting lost in the, the old OG original Pokemon RPG experience and, you know, hearing the little chip tune animal sound effects and everything else. And yeah, it's 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 a console and it's a brand that's near and dear to my heart. But sort of over the years with the release of this, like the Sony PlayStation and the Xbox and things like that, sort of fell behind um for me like i remember playing a heap of nintendo 64 at a friend's house we never had a nintendo 64 but i remember you know going around there and playing four player local co-op uh, or local split screen sorry on like golden eye or uh you know um, various the wrestling games and then um i bought a gamecube bought a gamecube wholly and solely because of the uh the sort of the remake of resident evil one that launched on there and then resident evil 4 made its way there i think a year or two later um so i owned it that was the the sort of most recent gaming console from the nintendo family i owned outside of the nintendo switch had a had a wii but didn't really do much with them sort of it's like a drunk party console and you know you put it away outside of that but um yeah love nintendo love nintendo so many good memories from you know, when I was knee-high to a grasshopper to, to now, and it's good to see them, you know, keep on keeping on. Yeah, I the 64 is a funny one. There was an era where you could go to like a Target or uh, like an EB Games, and there would just be this Nintendo set up in a kiosk. And for whatever reason, it was a thing for kids to just go there and spend hours there playing the games on that kiosk. Those kiosks that are just designed for demo-only purposes... I used to like line up to play these things and it would be like the same group of kids around them for hours just while their parents go and do the shopping or whatever. And you just get to know mm-hmm. names and faces just by hanging out at this little little kiosk playing a Nintendo 64 and playing like Banjo-Kazooie or playing, um, you know, Mario Kart or whatever it was that was on there. Uh, I loved, yeah, dude. It was, it was a weird special time gaming uh, with Nintendo in the 90s and the early noughties. Hundred percent, hundred percent, and like even sort of being able to play four player local local games, whether it be versus oh. or co op, was was you know something that was just so revolutionary at the time. Like there was sort of multi tap adapters you could get for the for the SNES and things like that, but when the sixty four rolled out and it had the four local controller ports ready to rock. It was just, it was so exciting going around mm. to a family member or a friend's house or yeah, an EB kiosk. But, you know, I'd always, well, not always, probably half the time I'd end up with the freaking controller that had the busted stick, like the joystick that was <laughs> yeah. just broken and lent downwards. So it was and like, just oh, your camera's fucking, constantly thanks, tilting one way. Yeah. 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 
So uh, I'd learnt about adversity in video games at a very young age. <laughs> um, but I guess that sort of leads us nicely into a question. You, you referenced Mario Kart before. So our boy Dane Peavy has sent in the question and he goes, between the two of you, who reigns supreme in Mario Kart and who's your main? So I'll hand this over to you first, good sir. Um, yeah, Mario Kart prowess. Where right, are we so at? I'm, I'm going to... Uh... I'm going to hold back all of my like competitive shit talking for a moment and be super diplomatic, right? Now, you and I have actually played Mario Kart. Um, yep. We played Mario Kart 8 together and you dominate me. Like every race we played together, you win. You win convincingly. I was never in there with a shot. So if it was Mario Kart 8, I think you would quite happily win that quite easily. But if it's Mario Kart 64 different story entirely i feel like i will always beat you at mario kart 64 at least 70 percent of the time i'll win and my main would be yoshi yeah i'm i'm in agreement with just about everything you've said um yeah. i know especially for um wario raceway you are the king of the old uh, turbo shortcut over the jump <laughs> uh where i you know i like to race dignified i'm like no 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 cheats no shortcuts we're just you know settling this on the track but you know, it's it's within the rules. I know that. So it's, it's one of my favorite know. things to do is like let someone pick that that it's Wario Speedway, I think it is. Oh, Wario Speedway, sorry. I, yeah. I think that's what it is. Um yeah, the right at the start, those like hurdles, the what do you what would you call them? I don't know. Berms? Like dirt mounds. Yeah, you can jump straight over the fence and cut half the map. And that's something I practiced doing for hours as a kid. Can confirm you are exceptionally good at that uh that sort Cheat. of shortcut maneuver and, <laughs> yeah. and yeah you know i'll, I'll admit you cheating. probably do you do take home the bacon most of the time on 64 but yeah sort of um yeah mario kart 8 deluxe and things like mm. that i am i'm a bit of a savant i'd like to say in in that realm um michael from reset is probably one of the only guys that can sort of hold a candle to me and maybe nasi but uh myself and rosalina on the sports bike uh just you know thanks for coming just give me the winner's trophy when we're lining up before the race even starts save the embarrassment just forfeit sort of thing so uh yeah rosaline is my boo in the uh maracate deluxe i love that game i love being able to play that on the switch and obviously back from the wii u it was still pretty great as well but yeah such a good game such a good game mm. Mm. a couple other good games i've been playing um it's a nice little segue uh, i've been playing a lot of switch lately and especially sort of with the thought process leading up to uh recording this pod uh, I'm I'm very late to the uh, Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney sort of games, and now that they've released the trilogy in full on the Nintendo Switch, I went. You know what? Now's a good time to uh, sort of give this a crack and see what it's like to be a, a lawyer in in some sort of Japan-esque universe. So uh, yeah, I've been working my way through Phoenix Wright, finished the uh, the original game, and I'm about probably two or three missions um, or chapters into the second of the trilogy. I'm enjoying it. For anyone that hasn't played a Phoenix Rider and Ace Attorney game, it's it's very, you know, point and click. You're sort of, you know, clicking on things to to work out where clues are, getting information about crime scenes, cross cross examining witnesses, looking at evidence, so on and so forth. And then it all plays out in a, you know, an, an anime esque looking sort of uh courtroom. Uh it's good fun. The characters are pretty great. Some of the dialogues, you know, pretty hilarious and nice and campy and cheesy. Um, just about every woman seems to just be getting their titties out no matter where they are. It's, they're very buxom, 
buxom based women in the in the sort of uh, Ace Attorney law universe. But, surprise, um, surprise. Yeah I'm, yeah, I'm enjoying it though. Like it's it's very much like Law and Order SVU light. Uh, but it's it's good fun and it's it's been a good little distraction for me a good little hashtag snap game um and yeah like it's it's well priced i think it was 30 it's 30 bucks or something like that on the, for on the trilogy the Nintendo eShop for three games uh probably you know 20 odd hours worth of uh you know lawyer based enjoyment there uh have you played any of the ace attorney games no i haven't i haven't i've um i've had a friend describe them to me in, in great detail um in that you're you're kind of you're the detective and the prosecutor not the prosecutor the detective and the attorney at the same time in that you're um you're in court and you're using evidence that you found elsewhere to um build um i guess a case against the person whether it's to and i don't know like the cases again haven't played it i'm assuming that sometimes you're um, trying to prosecute someone and sometimes you're probably trying to save someone who's innocent potentially correct, from correct. being yeah yep. Um, but yeah, I, I, the iconic kind of whatever is ace is like point on those. Oh yeah. Phoenix writes point all the time. Yeah. Yeah. He he lives for it. He lives for those objection points. Like it's, it's pretty good, good fun in in that regard. There is a lot, nice bit of theatrics and obviously it doesn't follow sort of how, how traditional court proceeding would go. Like the judge just changes his opinions on a dime and, and, you know, you don't even have to sort of um, have wit, um, evidence sort of sent in or anything. It's just, you just pull shit out of your ass. Like, oh, by the way, I've got this fucking wiretap. And they're like, oh, okay, that changed everything. You know, that changes the whole thing entirely. And then they're like, no, I object because the guy said he was tired that night. So his eyes are a bit, you know, his, his vision was hazy. And like, oh yeah, that makes sense. That checks out. It's just like all this hearsay back and forth sort of melodrama. It's like a... Like a soap opera, but it's good fun. Nice. Mm. And another one I've been playing, uh, another Nintendo Switch uh, release, which came out at the end of March, uh, Yoshi's Crafted World. Nice little side-scrolling platformer. Uh, really cute, really cute. Obviously, you've you sort of got a, a sort of slew of Yoshis at your disposal and you can sort of play uh, local, uh, local co-ops. So Rach and I have been playing through this and navigating through these uh these cute little artsy worlds uh you know fighting all kinds of enemies trying to find these gems to bring back to this this massive sort of totem that uh you know the yoshis worship on on sort of yoshi island so um it's really fun you know i like that there is sort of uh like it is sort of a a side scroller but there is some depth to the map where you can sort of go up and sort of flip the flip the um level around so you can see it from the other side and, and sort of get other perspectives and find other collectibles and, and attack other enemies that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's cute as heck. Uh, rolling around as Yoshi with little poochies and everything like that at your side. It's it's adorable. And getting like little costumes you can deck your Yoshi out in like... It's weird though, like, because you go through the levels in the worlds and, you know, they're all, as it is with the Mario universe, they're all different themes with each world you go to. But like, instead of getting just like a unique hat, it's like, okay, now you've got a, a milk creamer outfit on yourself or you're, you've got a, an orange juice carton as, as your little outfit or your little armor. Like it's, it's very unique in that regard where it's almost <laughs> stuff from like a vending machine. It's weird. <laughs> it's weird, but it's cute. It's, it's adorable. Um, and it's super fun. Being able to play it together is great. Um, you know, it's, it's built off the Unreal Engine, so it's, you know, it's, it looks really, really good. Runs super clean on the Switch, whether in handheld or in docked mode. Uh, well worth, I don't know if it's worth the 80 bucks RRP here in Australia. Try and get it on sale. 
But um, if you're looking for something to play with with a family member or a friend or a loved one, definitely give it a look because it's it's adorable as shit. Beautiful. Uh, it sounds very cute. I'll have to add it to the list of things that I catch up on with Nintendo mm. Switch. Um, yeah, and and it's blinking you miss it with Nintendo. Like they, it oh. feels like they release twenty new games every couple of days. It's well, there's just such a, a catalog as well. And one of the things I've realized more and more is that it's the ports that come over to the Switch that really, um, really fatten up that offering. Uh, I saw the other day that Final Fantasy X was now available there, the HD remaster of X and X, uh, X and X two. I think it's both. Um, on on the switch and that's just like that's just one more game that i've seen recently that's now over there um yeah it's cool it's cool as shit it never ends like uh cuphead obviously released there like a week ago mm. getting really great reviews as far as the port it plays well it runs really well feels great in handheld mode so that's something i've debated going back to but it's just you know similar vein to sakura different games entirely but it's still very very punishing and uh soul destroying but uh maybe i'll pick that up on the switch down the line yeah uh i never i never played cuphead did you finish it haven't fully finished it i'm i think i'm at the last world i think i can tolerate like soulsborne and secure in a way that i probably wouldn't be able to tolerate cuphead um it reminds me like it reminds me like raiden in a way i know it's a 2d um platformer but at the same time it's like those games where you're just shooting at things and things are shooting back, it just seems like you'll never really win unless you're some kind of like King of Kong level player who memorizes every map pattern and formation. And uh, I feel like I could tolerate that in a place like Sekiro because there's just more um, more options available to me of how I approach something than in just like the flat 2D um, uh, side-scroller like that, like Cuphead. So yeah, probably, yeah. probably give that one a miss. I don't know, unless you I'd like to I'd like to hear otherwise. your thoughts on it though cuz um it's a hell of a game like it's it's an absolute gem of a game like uh one of the sleeper hits of last year so yeah if you've got a few bucks to spare or you can bribe your your housemates um to yeah. give access to his Nintendo eShop account just get on yeah. there and download that puppy and give it a go it's it's about 30 bucks as well so it's it's not too too heavy on the wallet yeah okay i uh i, I like a good challenge maybe um mm. again I'll, I'll see what you say and then if if you like it i'll crack it okay um, um speaking of challenges what have you been playing this week uh so i've been playing a few things this week a few nintendo things and a few well a nintendo thing and a few non-nintendo things um a nintendo switch is a very recent development for me in my house i, I haven't actually had one or access to one until um until recently until you as you said a moment ago my housemates uh, decided to pick one up and uh i was sort of living vicariously through you and ali and living through all of your joys and all of your all of your experiences with the switch so many joys to, yeah now, now i've decided to sort of live through my own and i decided to pick that up uh, with pokemon let's go eevee being the, the first cab off the rank um let me let me know what you think of this so i think i'll go with pokemon let's go eevee then i feel like i want to go straight into zelda breath of the wild yeah does that does that make yeah, sense yeah. to you or do you feel that like sounds that fair be, yeah okay um and then after enough time i guess uh the thing that i would move into after that is super smash brothers and just go crazy on super smash brothers mm-hmm. um th- that's kind of like the the three catch-ups that i'm playing at the moment am i missing something good 
It, it depends on what you're looking for. Like, there's so many fantastic games that have dropped on the Switch. Uh, you know, Super Mario Odyssey's one. Um, yeah, I thought about that. Another one, like, did you did you pick up um, Hellblade on the PlayStation Four? No, you played I didn't. that. Like, that's no, ported now on there, mm. uh, which is another fantastic game. Obviously, Cuphead. And then depending on if you're looking for smaller indies, like something that I was playing recently that I mentioned on The Hungry Game is like Ape Outs on there, which is a hell of fun. It just depends yeah. on how much of an investment you're looking at, I think. And, and you've, you've mentioned three games that are going to chew, you know, dozens upon dozens upon dozens of hours. So it depends on if you're just looking for that singular slow burn 50, 60 hours or you want mm. something that's little pick up and play, play for an hour, a couple of hours, you're done. Or maybe you finish the game in three, four hours. So yeah. yeah. You know, I'm I'm not huge. You know, for anyone that's listening to the Hungry Gamers, you know, Zelda Breath of the Wild is is good, but it's nowhere near Game of the Year for me. Um, I know the Zelda franchise just doesn't resonate for me the same way it does for the vast majority of the gaming <laughs> universe. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm not the best advocate for that. I'd I'd take Super Mario Odyssey over Breath of the Wild if I had the choice between these two. Okay, noted. Duly noted. I have started playing Pokemon Let's Go Eevee. Um, I'm still very early on. I know exactly what I'm getting. It's been long enough that um, uh, I've seen plenty about the game. Uh, I understand that it's Pokemon Easy Mode. I understand that it's Pokemon um, Pokemon Go more than it is a, a core Pokemon game. But at the same time, it's like Pokemon Red, uh, Blue and Yellow were games that I spent hours and hours and hours and hours, hundreds of hours playing. Like that's really where the addiction started. I think for me, it was with those games. So um, this is like definitely just a trip down memory lane for me anyway. Um, I, I've, I've spent probably more time than I thought I would padding the EV. Um, don't know it's why. It's pretty cute. I, yeah. In my head this year, I'm going to buy a dog. And so I just thought, well, if I practice here, then I'll see if I'm actually good as a pet owner. Um, <laughs> not that I'm about to put my dog into battles, uh, against other animals when I get it, but my yeah, EV, that could lead to some jail time. That could lead to some jail time, and um, now it's frame Pokemon forming a light that I don't like thinking about it as, uh, which is animal fighting. Okay, anyway, so um, I've started playing Pokemon. <laughs> Let's go, Eevee. Um, I don't have really an opinion yet about how I feel about the catch mechanic uh, being changed over to the Pokemon Go mechanic. Just prefer the battling in general, but at the same time, um, I, I understand that this is like. This is Pokemon easy mode. This is entry for, you know, kids, not necessarily something to appease the adults. Um, I am pumped, though, for Pokemon Shield and Pokemon Sword when they drop later uh, this Ooh, yeah. year. Yeah. Um, that, for me, is the game that I thought I was getting in 2000, or sorry, in like 1998, I think it was, with like Pokemon Stadium. Do you remember when you mm-hmm. heard the Pokemon Stadium was coming? Like there was a Pokemon game coming to the Nintendo 64? Did you do what I did where you just imagined like 3D modeling of the Pokemon world and just that you would just be in that world walking around living the Pokemon dream? Oh yeah, like it was, you know, it was childhood escapism at its finest, Mm. like visualizing that game and the potential for that game and then obviously getting greeted with just a, you know, a series of tiered battles in the stadium. Like they didn't lie, it's in the damn title of the game and graphically it looked great. (laughs) Yeah. But um. Yeah, it just didn't expand on that Pokemon mythos outside of the no, stadium. No. So, but we're finally getting it. Yeah, 
I think my expectation versus reality is prob- probably a little bit off, but at the same, and not to talk bad about those games, I love those games. Yeah, it's just that now I think we're finally getting this this version of Pokemon that we that I was probably hoping to see twenty years ago. Either way, yeah, I, I'm liking it. I'll keep playing it and uh, and and report back, I guess, on the Hungry Gamers in in the weeks to come. Um, the two non-Nintendo games that I've been playing, I won't spend a great deal of time talking about. Uh, the first is Sekiro. So I am, I called you yesterday and we talked about it. It really You're is all Stockholm in. Syndrome. Yeah, I'm, I'm all in. I'm so into this game. I'm, I'm totally on board for this, this whole journey that the game takes you on. Um, I had this interesting experience where I had to fight this like samurai boss who was almost at the top of this tower. And he had this kind of unblockable slash. And I died to him a few times. Like I tried dodging the slash. You couldn't really dodge it reliably. Um, it's, it takes more than half your health as soon as he hits you too. And he only just does this one move. It's one move, one slash. So it's like, all right, I can't dodge it. I tried blocking it. You still take some pretty heavy damage blocking. It's like, okay, I can't block it. Um, can I, uh, parry it? Yeah, I can parry it. And then as soon as you figure out that you can just parry it, you just parry it like two times. Then you get the death blow. You parry it two more times when he comes back. You get like, it's just, it's, that's the game as a whole. It's like, you just keep figuring out what you can't do. And then what options you have left. And then you just try and work through that. I, I love it, dude. There's just so much there. There are bosses that I'm finding now that I just know I can't beat yet. There are things that I know that I don't know what they what exists like in the world, but I know that I'm missing something to tackle this boss. I was talking to Marche, who's in another 8-bit collective podcast, um, the Forever Movie Boys. I was talking to him about it. I was like, dude, how did you go with this boss? He's like, yeah, I didn't even bother trying it until I got the umbrella. And in my head, I was like, what the fuck is he talking about? Umbrella, what umbrella? So um, it's, I don't know, it's this whole world. And I love the mystery in the world where it's, who knows what crazy things around the corner. Um, The... Other game I've played, uh, started playing is Grotopia, which is this game on the mobile. Um, it was something that I just stumbled across in Instagram of all things. And it's kind of like uh, Minecraft. If Minecraft was 2D and there was character customization options available to you as well. Um, I haven't played too much of this game just yet. It really caught my eye though, because it just looked fun and creative. It is a, a multiplayer game. Um, so you get to design these worlds that other people can come into and enjoy. Um, I haven't fully explored all of its functions and features yet, but I, I look forward to playing this as my new hashtag snap game because Hearthstone's I'm, I'm done with Hearthstone now. You're done. Yeah. Just I'm wiping your hands again. clean. Done. One week in one week off, like just done. Um, mm. yeah, it's. Hearthstone, I have a, a long and storied history with Hearthstone. Feel, feel free to listen to the Hungry Gamers back catalog for that. Um, but yeah, Hearthstone's done. Grotopia's on. And and yeah, I'll, I'll let you know some more uh, realized thoughts of that next week, I guess. That sounds good. Um, on that same sort of train of thought with realized thoughts, E3 is only a couple of months away. What do you want to see Nintendo bring to E3? And this question comes via way of our boy, Jamie Penning. Dream, tell me about your Nintendo-centric E3 thoughts. Um, it's, it's a really good question because there wasn't a lot that I... There wasn't a lot that seemed obvious to me about what Nintendo should do or could do next. 
Um, we were rattling off, I think, earlier all of the Switch releases over the last two years. Um, they've obviously got the core Pokemon game coming up uh, in Shield and Sword. They've just done a Mario. I think it's a bit too soon for another Zelda. Breath of the Wild was only two years, 24 months old now. Breath of the mm-hmm. Wild? Yeah, no, no, yep. 2017. 17. Um, yeah, Metroid. We talked about Metroid. It'd be nice to see some Metroid, but you reminded me that they've just decided to completely start from scratch there only a few months ago. Um, I don't know. It's so hard. It really is hard for me to, to understand. Maybe some new Labo stuff. Yeah, like obviously they've got the the VR that's came out the last couple of weeks. Mm. Uh, still gimmicky, and it's it's a cheap entry for for people that want to get into into virtual reality. Uh, I still haven't got my hands on a set yet. Will will down the line, but um, I've just got too much too much stuff Labo related that I haven't touched. Like I've only half built the vast majority of those sort of uh, you know kits you get from the Labo sets. It's it's good fun, but it's just just very gimmicky. Um, sort of sort of doubling down on what you were saying they haven't really you know got the platform i think to showcase a new a new zelda like maybe they might just have a a little bumper sort of pop up with with the you know, the name of the next zelda game just to incite a little bit of hype who knows mm. um some stuff i was thinking about could be pretty cool a, a new donkey kong country entry like they haven't had a, a new yeah. full release into that franchise since 2010 uh obviously they did tropical freeze sort of ported that across um, on the Switch last year. But yeah, like a nice fresh entry into that universe could be great. Uh, I love those games as a kid. Back yeah. on the, the SNES days, um, you know, sort of sort of trying to traverse those mining levels or the underwater levels, riding the friggin' um, Marlin Fish. I can't remember his name. And it's just it's such a great time. Um, maybe Maybe a full rebuild, you know, full remake of GoldenEye. Wouldn't go astray. Ah, that would be a lot of fun. It's fan service 101, but... It would be so random, you know, um, given that it's it's a now t- oh, almost 20-year-old Bond film, <laughs> GoldenEye. Mm. It's it's probably 20 years old now, I'd say. I, th- I think well, the, the game came out in 97, so it's 22 years old, well, there you the go. game itself. Shit. Yeah. Um, maybe like... I don't know if Idris Elba's Bond film's been... Like the story has been announced yet? I don't think it has. I think Idris Elba has just been confirmed as the Bond, the new Bond. Uh, mm. But wouldn't it be fun to get an Idris Elba Goldeneye uh, with a brand new Goldeneye uh, released on the Switch, starring Idris Elba instead of? I would um, not be opposed to that at all. Yeah, I, I, at I, all. I'd love that. I think that'd be cool, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think if this was a bet, if the bookie were putting odds on this, it'd be ninety-eight dollars fifty to one. Long odds, you reckon? The longest odds, yeah. 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 One that I could see at much shorter odds would be you know, Mario Kart 9. Yeah. I could see that very much getting announced at E3. Uh, you know, 8's been out for several years and 8 Deluxe came out in, in 2017 as well. So they're due. They're due for something fresh in that, uh, in that, in that series. And uh, I'm looking forward to the ninth entry to Mario Kart to continue my era of dominance with Rosalina. So uh, yes, please Nintendo, Mario Kart 9 announced at E3 for release in, let's say October of 2019. That would be fantastic for me. Please and thank you. Do you think there'll be any more crossovers like um, the Rabbids Mario crossovers? 
yeah, I, I could see that. I could see that. Like, obviously, they, they're playing pretty damn nice with Ubisoft these days, and, and they've got some pretty good relationships with Microsoft. So maybe, maybe we'll see a little bit of a bleed between like a Ubisoft or a Microsoft based franchise making its way to Switch. Um, yeah, I'm keen. I'm keen. Maybe E3 might be where they finally confirm and announce the release date for this Xbox Live and Xbox Game Pass potential functionality and streaming via the Switch as well. Uh, I think there's going to be a big emphasis on, on streaming um, at E3 this year. So mm. that makes sense. Cool. Well, I guess we could talk about something in the news coming up about what probably won't be on the Switch. Uh, it won't be yeah. E3. Yeah, so, so I thought that sort of segued in nicely from, from Jamie's question. Um, and we've taken, taken an article from Martin Robinson at Eurogamer and the article's headline read, The man behind 1080 snowboarding is working on a spiritual successor. And uh, I'll grab a little bit of the news article here and then we'll sort of unpack it. So Giles Goddard, alumni of 90s Nintendo, one of the first Western employees within the company's Japanese dev team, and a key figure behind the original 1080 snowboarding has begun work on a spiritual successor. Goddard's been working on a prototype for a while in his spare time, starting with a VR-focused effort in Unity, and more recently switching over to Unreal Engine for a more traditional third-person take as production has ramped up. The new game looks to double down on what made the original 1080 snowboarding special while folding in some new ideas that make the most, most of modern hardware. Technology has changed, explains Goddard. You can now have 100 players on a single mountain and they're all playing with each other and you can real-time stream to YouTube. People can start playing with you and then stream with really fast networking and proper multiplayer. I'm aiming to emulate the snow across an entire mountain. That means overnight snowfalls lay fresh snow. You jump on your snowboard and go down and then compress the snow and as you turn the snow and as, and as you turn the snow pushes and sprays across what then creates a new lump there which other people can then jump on that. It's basically simulating snow realistically. A fluid simulation but with snow. This guy loves his fucking snow, doesn't he? Yeah. Like he, is, <laughs> he is very passionate about snowfall. Uh yeah, he, he's going into a lot of detail about um, something that is fun to do, but I, I've never put a lot of thought into just what goes into snowboarding, that's for sure. Um, yeah, he's he's really thought about how they can uh, make this like, I wouldn't say like hyper-realistic, but just what you can do snowboarding on snow. Um yeah. It sounds cool. I'm not going to lie. Like, you know when someone's really enthusiastic when they talk to you about something? Like, they could be talking about anything, but just their enthusiasm sells you on the idea. That's kind of what yeah. I'm feeling listening to you say the words that came out of uh, Goddard's mouth. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, Goddard, he's all about this. And um, yeah, like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a prime example of someone. I like to feed off passion as well and energy. Yeah. And this guy's got it in spades. Um, do we need... A- a live reactive mountain with snow that will be compressed based off which run you choose and then it's going to impact the person behind you maybe not but he's going to give it a good old college try and you know uh, the first thing i thought when he mentioned the 100 players i'm like fuck is he going to do like a 1080 snowboarding battle royale event where there's an avalanche coming down this hill and you've got to race to the end and only one person can win like is that where he's going with this it's like play the shit out of that it could be, yeah. I'd I'd be on board for that too. It's kind of like, uh, it's like a Tetris ninety nine thing where it's like there, there can only be one winner, 
Um, there mm. can only be one. So uh, let's just throw them all together and have fun. Or I, I like the idea, um, almost like a in a Forza world where it's like it's it's almost like free roaming where you're just kind of t- taking the the elevator back to the top of the mountain and then just going through a hundred people to get to the bottom again and just having a lot of fun with that. Um, this is like a, for me, this story is like, uh, a real lesson for salesmen out there on, you could just talk about how it's a, you know, a realistic reactive mountain, uh, that you can enjoy as a player, or you can sit there and talk about how the snow's going to spray from the way you cut down the hill to create, um, a new environment, a new terrain for other players to interact with. Um, yeah, this guy, 10 out of 10 for sales for sure. Oh, yeah. 10 out of 10. He's selling and I'm, I'm thinking about buying i'm buying i'm buying i bought i'm in oh nice i'm in i've never i've never fucking seen snow and i'm so on for whatever this guy's selling me well you you were gonna live your best snow life in 1080 snowboarding 2 or whatever he's going to call it maybe Mm. we're gonna see this announced at uh e3 or maybe showcased um because the last snowboarding game of note was steep which was a ubisoft uh title and and it had that sort of Forza mechanic where it was just a, a mountain and you could do as you please, but the snow creation was nowhere near as adaptive as what our Goddard's going on about here. Mm. So uh, yeah, watch watch this space uh, for Giles Goddard making some magic. I can just see him in there like criticizing every snowflake, every single oh, yeah. snowflake. Go hard. Goddard. I said none of them can be the same. They're all yeah. meant to be unique. <laughs> You're fired. <laughs> <laughs> It would be even better if his studio like was on some snow-capped mountain, you know, like almost yeah. like a an enemy base you'd see from a, a James Bond film. God, I was just out and there's like a light snowfall happening outside. He just holds his arm out, holds his hand out and, mm. and a snowflake lands in, his, in the palm of his hand. He just whispers, tell me your secrets. <laughs> <laughs> they All will right. be mine. All right, we're getting crazy. All right, the next bit of news. EA has no plans to release Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order on the Switch. Oh, yeah, this is what I'm By way of... Sorry, go on, go on. Oh, by Liam Doolin at Nintendo Life. So last week, EA and Respawn Entertainment revealed Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order was coming to PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC this coming November. The game stars a character named Cal Kestis, who is a sole survivor of Order 66 and is forced to conceal his Jedi powers to stay alive. Not long after the game was revealed, EA community manager Jay Ingram was asked over on Twitter if there were any plans for it to be released on Nintendo's hybrid device in the future. He responded by saying there were, in quotes, no such plans, as amazing as the system is, in quotes. So yeah, no uh, Fallen Order making its way to the Nintendo Switch Sorry, Nintendo fans, because this game actually looks pretty good. I'm excited for what uh, Respawn are going to put together here, and the fact that it's running on Unreal and not Frostbite makes it even more exciting to me. Mm-hmm. What do you reckon? Yeah, this is this is what I meant earlier when I said something that we won't see at E3. Um, and then oh. you went into the snowboarding one, and I forgot what I just said. Um, what what do I think of this not coming to the Switch? Uh, ooh, poor, poor Nintendo. Um, yeah, it, mm. it looks like a real, you know, good game and a great get. I don't understand why EA wouldn't look to release on the Switch on the outset. Um, I'm sure there are challenges with the port that uh, I just don't understand and couldn't comprehend. So I'm sure there are good reasons why they wouldn't wouldn't necessarily come over on 
on day one. Um, but it is it is a bit of a shame. It, it does look like a great game. Um, it tonally looks uh, darker than what Disney's doing with the movies in terms of the journey of, uh, I guess, a, a Jedi in, in training or Jedi in waiting. Um, yeah. It, it looks cool as shit. And yeah, you're right. Like just what they're doing in Unreal, it, it looks fantastic. Um, I like from the trailer, rewatching the trailer several times since it dropped last week. I like seeing the force pull stuff in the environment um, as a tool to actually almost like a grappling hook, if you will, yeah. where you're just pulling yeah. yourself up to things. I thought that was really cool. And I like seeing the force imagined and reimagined in, in new and interesting ways. Um, probably the best um, I've seen since Disney picked up Star Wars was the way Kylo Ren force stops that like laser bullet, the start of... Um, uh, yeah, when Finn shoots what, what, at him. Yeah, what's it called again? Fucking, In The Force Awakens. The Force Awakens, that's it, sorry. How did I forget that? Anyway, yeah, how he stops the bullet. Um, yeah, looks cool. Sorry, Nintendo, I guess. Yeah, like I'd say this probably comes down to wholly and solely processing power in the switch like obviously it is sort of um a distant third when compare or distant fourth if you throw in pc as well but like comparing that to a playstation 4 or a playstation 4 pro or the the xbox one family um yeah you'd lose a lot of fidelity and a, a lot of sort of wow factor i think sort of scaling it down mm. to that 720p-esque resolution that a that a switch runs on so that's probably the methodology behind it, but it is still sad to see that it's uh you know getting the chop. But at least they're transparent about it, and have sort of got ahead of that early now, and and know that you know they can they can look forward to the next uh, Star Wars blockbuster maybe making their way to the Switch. Who knows? Mm. 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 The next and final bit of news I wanted to bring to uh, this episode, good sir. Uh, Nintendo is deleting what it deems inappropriate Super Smash Bros. Ultimate stages. This comes via way of Wesley Yin Paul at Eurogamer. As expected, Nintendo is moving to delete what it deems inappropriate user-generated Super Smash Bros. Ultimate levels after the stage creator feature went live earlier last week. Most of the content currently being hauled offline is, as you'd expect, soon after the stage creator went uh, creator feature went live. Many stages featuring swastikas stickers and other racist and offensive <laughs> imagery that were uploaded. Yeah. There were also many, many penis stages, some of which ended up on the front page of the official Nintendo Switch app. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, sort of segueing into some other discussion based off. Uh, based off these sort of removals. Um, but uh, yeah, some of Nintendo's moderation decisions have caused a good deal of controversy. It appears stages either entitled, in quotes, trans rights or featuring the trans flag run the risk of deletion. And in some cases, their creators were issued short-term bans. Twitter user Warm Saflina received an email from Nintendo notifying her that her trans rights stage has been pulled offline for, in quotes, inappropriate and or harmful content um and sort of segueing further from that uh i've found sort of one of the the emails that nintendo send to some of these creators when they are in breach and um you know some of the some of the wording is pretty blunt and aggressive like um you are using obscene and or sexual expressions 
You are not permitted to submit content that is inappropriate or may cause discomfort for others. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you do keep doing things like that, you may face penalties, including being restricted from using Nintendo account services. So uh, mm. Nintendo, I've got a pretty pretty hard stance on this, albeit one that is a bit controversial. What do you reckon, Dream? Uh, I, I wholeheartedly support every word in that in that response. I, I think that these... Um, these games are great. These games have a very, very broad audience though. And you just have to remember there are going to be tons of kids who are going to be able to access these, these custom maps. Um, so Nintendo has to protect that audience and they lean into that audience. You know, this is meant to be a game and a console for all ages. Um, so you can't have, uh, a custom map, uh, feature, um, or builder, feature um and then allow just anything and everything to go up especially knowing that of course people are going to do this stuff there's a there's a really good article on mashable about the same story um which really highlights the sort of the highs and the low points of custom the custom map feature and you know some of the highs there's a a map made that represents um do you remember the the first Super Smash Brothers, the sort of opening intro where everything in this bedroom came to life and there was like a Yoshi on a desk? Um, the the map is the desk. It completely recreates that kind of scene and it's a it looks fantastic. It looks exactly the same. Um, there are other like really fan um, like fan favorite moments from in the Nintendo world that, that are being recreated. Places uh, or sorry moments in like Zelda are being recreated as maps. Um, even just like really funny kitty little drawings of their favorite characters. Like there's a, just a random Kirby that is a stage that you can jump around on and, and play with, uh, or play in. Um, and then there's, you know, the big penis map. Uh, <laughs> there is a lot of dick maps. There. Um, <laughs> this, this, uh, person on Twitter, Euphorizer underscore, um, posted a picture of just this giant dick map. Uh, the caption being just made the first ever dick stage in Smash Ultimate. So proud of myself. Thank you, Jesus. Um, mm. You know, also there are figures having sex. There's a map which just says N-word um, written that way. Um, there's meme style maps like Sans meme maps. Um, there's a King of the Hill propane map. There's like a crazy Sonic um, like what's that Sonic the Hedgehog meme where he just looks like a doofus? I don't know the meme, but I know the image. I don't know if you know. The I one. know what anyway. you're talking about, but yeah, yeah, it's a bit lost on me too. Yeah, it's it's just every kind of meme related map you can imagine is probably yeah. being created. So Nintendo have to take a hard line against this. You know, you can't expect them not to. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, man. Put it pretty eloquently there. Um, yeah, it's it's they they need to be very careful with what's allowed and, and disallowed i guess as as far as as user generation mm. in this universe it is typically targeted to the youth um so mm. it is a hard stance to take so it, where it is almost like a blanket statement they're throwing out here where if it's anything that's slightly controversial or topical you got to go yeah. so um and you know some of those um aren't like are up there for the right reasons yeah and I think the difficult thing is that it's probably, you know, if, if everyone could have their say on, on, on what, what's right and what's wrong and what should and shouldn't be up there, like, you know, probably we would all agree that 
um, pro LGBTQI uh, apps. There's you know there's probably nothing wrong with that in general, but it the conversation that it attracts is such a yeah. polarizing conversation. And again, this is just a ki- this is ultimately a kids game. Um, in a exactly. lot of ways, this is a kids game, and you have to respect that people want to be able to discuss their, these topics with their kids in a way that they feel healthy and safe and comfortable. Um, I'm not saying that those maps specifically should be removed, but when you bring the ban hammer out and you're trying to remove any sort of inflammatory content, um, you know, unfortunately, this is going to be roped in with, uh, you know, dick maps and, and meme maps and all, all other things, because again, these are themes that are just probably a bit more, um, conceptually advanced than what you would want a six-year-old to see then and there and ask questions about these kind of need to be brought up in an organic way that's healthy for the kid to understand as well and that's not necessarily putting a flag in the back of a a super smash brothers map so um yeah so i like i again i'm wholly supportive of nintendo i'm sympathetic to people who do have healthy ideas that are getting also hit with the ban hammer Um, but unfortunately the ban hammer is a it's a nuke you know it's a hammer it's not a scalpel uh, it's not yeah. set up in a way that's going to be able to try everything individually. It's just got to hit everything hard and, and quick. So, yeah. Exactly, man. And like sort of expanding on that a little bit more, like, because this would then probably bring things into question regarding the classification of the game, like where mm. it is sort of a, a G-rated game for, for everybody when there are those types of images there. It could then bring up that rating to an M, an MA, potentially an R rating if they were left to keep around because then it's, you know, religious-based connotations, sexual themes, so on mm. and so forth. So, um, yeah, it puts everything into sort of disrespute, I guess. So, yeah, it's, it's just a hard place to be. Um, mm. I don't think there is one one way to, to sort of handle this in a way that, that makes everybody happy. There's going to be some divisiveness there and, and some people are going to get hurt by, uh, you know, their positive messages getting squashed. But as you said, the the hammer has to drop on everything to sort of keep it a level playing field because yeah like if if archer is playing smash brothers and then he's like hey brendan or hey mommy what's what's this in the background and having to have that conversation with him at five years old is certainly something we wouldn't be you know wanting to do so i understand i understand so that is the news done for episode 93 of the house of mario we've got a couple more questions before we start closing this episode out uh the next one comes via way of metadocs uh on the twitters and they are asking, what is your favorite Nintendo franchise and what would you do if you had to make the next game in that series? Mm. How would the game play? What would the general story be and what new features would you include? Dream, I'm throwing this straight over to you. What do you got? Cool, man. Um, yeah, we, we sort of briefly talked about it earlier. Um, I'm, a, I'm a huge Pokemon fan. And I've often thought about how I would change a Pokemon game. The one thing I would do, um, you know, if I was to make my own Pokemon game from scratch would be probably make it a a little bit more mature in its content and its themes. I think there's like a lot of things you could do to really explore that world. But I also kind of understand that Nintendo will never do that uh, because Pokemon is just such a great GPG title. And it's it's kind of perfect the way it is, is I guess, a product. Um, but what I would like to see is a new Pokemon Stadium uh, game for the Switch. I think it's been a very long time since we've had a, a new Pokemon Stadium. I think you could debatably call Pokemon Coliseum on the uh, Cube 
the last installment in that series, even though it wasn't really a true successor to 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 that um, that series of games. I thought they were just really fantastic games in general, though. So the Pokemon mini games were a lot of fun. The actual stadium battles themselves were fun. The gym leader challenges in in those games were just really good reimaginings of um, those fights and the trainers in those gyms. Um, there was a really strategic element to those particular um, approaches because you'd have to pick your set of six Pokemon and then tackle all of these trainers who had um, Pokemon that were, I guess, a little bit different to what they uh, what what you would see in in the core series of games. Um, on how to improve this, I think I'd like to see a bit more of a an open world theme within the game. Not necessarily to see a true realized Pokemon world in three D the way I was dreaming about before but just to see a little avatar run around maps and and uh, explore a space i think that'd be a, a lot of fun to do particularly if it really incorporated a lot of the um the side features in pokemon games like you know dressing up your pokemon going to like pokemon contests um and, and the mini games that are involved in the the 3ds games and also pokemon let's go series as well so i think I think seeing a new game and seeing how Nintendo might explore that on the Switch would be a lot of fun um, for for me at least to see. And hopefully everyone else, I don't know. I would not complain about more Pokemon Stadium and, and seeing it more realized as, as you uh, sort of described it as, you know, I'd, I'd be keen for that. Um, more Pokemon or more fleshed out Pokemon titles is never a bad thing. Like, mm. you know, it's going to sell even if it is you know not a not a critically uh, acclaimed title but it would be nice to see something with a little bit more meat in it where you can sort of uh learn more about that pokemon lore and have a more sort of larger look at that universe as a whole so i'd, I'd be down for that you know i'd be down you, for that you know just like um i talked a moment ago about how pokemon um doesn't really tackle very heavy themes in general there's one pokemon or two pokemon games pokemon black and white where the antagonist in those games, the character N, his whole thing is he wants to free Pokemon because he doesn't like the idea of them battling each other um, as as friends. Uh, that's really heavy. That's basically them tackling the idea of like um, you know Pokemon representing animals fighting, um, Pokemon having agency and feelings and thoughts as well, and not necessarily wanting to 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 fight for people um in a sort of slavitude kind of way um it's it's a really heavy concept and to have the antagonist in that game be the person that's putting that idea out there that that this whole thing might be a little bit fucked up i thought it was incredible and then they go and do Mm. like alolan pokemon (laughs) and pokemon x and y and yeah i don't know Black and white, though, that was, yeah, that was really something. I'd like to see more of that. It's just, again, it's kind of hard, I guess, when you're trying to market it to seven-year-olds. Yeah, it's it's a very fine line. Mm. So something where you wouldn't need to worry about that type of uh, potential cron- controversy is uh, something I'd like to see, uh, you know, get get explored further on, on the Switch um, is something like Turok. Turok the mm. Dinosaur Hunter, um, you know, debuted in 97 yeah. on the old Nintendo 64 um, anyone that's had even half a conversation with me or listened to anything on the Hungry Gamers know that I'm a bit of a dinosaur tragic. So anything that mixes in, you know, vicious carnivore lizards and, you know, first person shooter mechanics 
I'm I'm definitely listening, you know, with with open ears and open eyes on that type of conversation. So I'd be down to see them go back to that. Like they have done a, a bit of a remaster recently with one and two making its way to PC, PlayStation 4 and Xbox One and also on the Switch. So so that's cool to see, but you know, a Turok 3 or, you know, maybe just a reimagining of the original would be fantastic. Mm. Um, but play more on the horror, horror elements of it. Like, yeah, fair enough. You, you fight a lot of dinosaurs in that, in that, in that world, but you're a pretty badass Native American dude who can, you know, handle himself in just about any fight with dinosaurs of no matter what scale. So mm. maybe a little bit more of a, of a horror element sort of maybe sort of blended into some of that dino crisis era where there's a lot of jump scares and play on the tones and play on the darkness and, and the uncertainty of what's going to come around the corner as opposed to being this sort of badass native American that fears no evil sort of thing. So um, flesh that out, you know, re- replace the, the evil campaigner as he was known in the original game and, and put a big bad in there that you can sort of hate and sort of despise more heavily. Uh but yeah, something something in that in that regard because we don't have a huge amount of first person shooters on the Switch, uh, so I think that'd sort of get a nice amount of focus from the media as far as a a new or a, or a sort of reimagined IP making its way to the Switch. Because outside of things like a a Fortnite, there isn't really many top tier shooter games on there. Like we've seen Wolfenstein and, and Doom get on there, which is great. Mm. So we know it works, and we can know it can be successful. The processing power is enough there to make a game that looks good and plays good. So yeah, give me give me some Turok. Mm. Nice, yeah, that's a really good one. I forgot about Turok. Yeah, I had to sort of dig deep as far as um, you know games that I can remember from previous genres and and <sighs> platforms that uh, could fit this mold. And and lo and behold, I ended up on a dinosaur based title as per usual. So um, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, no surprises there, dude. Yeah. So um yeah, that's that's sort of nearing the end of this episode. We've we've got a question here um from from Drew obviously at I Drewby, one of the uh, esteemed co-hosts of the House of Mario, and he has asked us dream. Now I've had you guys over. Do you have any renovation ideas for the house? Bryce wants a bright blue room to consume power stars, but I said that was a waste of space. Dream what would you do here? You know, obviously we are occupying the house of Mario right now. It's it's mm. pretty nice. You've said you've been here before, so you've got a little bit more of an intimate knowledge of this place than I do. So so tell yeah. me. All right. So obviously we're in we're in the recording studio of the house of Mario at the moment. It's lovely. It's beautiful. There's like um, you know beautiful blue walls at the moment around this with like Mario Super Mario World clouds there um we go outside and into like the living room and it's like it's weird dude i don't know if you noticed this but there's like really uh low-cut grass on the ground of the living room there um with, I, I thought something felt a bit funny under my bare feet yeah it was it was super weird and then like i don't know if you caught this dude but there was like yoshi eggs waving the hatch in the corner um mm. i think the- I, I may have taken one it's already in the boot of my car so uh i'm excited to see what comes out of that don't t- don't tell them obviously that you stole that or did you leave money did you leave money for it at least? Yeah, yeah, three to... gold coins. Oh, okay. Is that what they, is that what they were? Yeah, I was about, that was yeah. my next question: is what, how much was it worth? Um, <laughs> but it's like it's got such like a really lovely, nice feel into it up here. Um, you don't know this dude, but there's a basement. And last time I was here with uh, Drew and, and and Bryce, 
they took me down to the basement and there's this, it's solid concrete. It just looks like anyone else's basement, but there's this giant green pipe in the middle. And now I like Drew. I do, right? We, we did the first episode of the Apicast together. Um, and that's about as far back as our history goes because we didn't meet at PAX. And I think he was a bit upset with me for not being at PAX because he told me to go into the pipe. Now me thinking that this is like a Mario pipe, I'm like, yeah, cool. I went down. But it turns out it doesn't really go anywhere. It's just like a well in the, the basement. Oh, wow. Yeah, which just has like a pipe around it. Anyway, so I look up and there's literally no way for me to get up. And I'm thinking, what's going on? And then I see like Drew and Bryce come into vision. They're both holding like Nintendogs. And, uh, and Bryce throws down some lotion and tells me to put it on my skin. It was very weird. <laughs> so if you're asking me for like renovation tips, I guess the first thing I would do would be close get rid of the pipe like fill in the well and just make sure that like no one can go down there for any reason at all and i won't go into where that story went because we're all alive and we're all still here now bryce drew you guys are the best people in the world as i agreed to say on this show and i idolize you and i love you and just please don't hurt me anymore but i i love you and thank you for letting me come on house of mario thank you and, and close up the well yeah yeah i can I can see where you're coming from. Like open wells are a, a safety hazard, no matter no matter what house or dwelling you are in. You know, no one wants an open well because we've seen that amount of uh, circumstances throughout history where people fall down them. Uh, then we have you know tragedies of like Sting having to dig a hole to get people out of those <laughs> wells and things like that. So uh, yeah, close off the well, um, dig up. <laughs> yeah yeah Sorry, maybe it just reminded me maybe like on. some some more ambiance throughout the house like have sort of like a little cooper trooper performing band in the corner um you know akin to something out of return of the jedi you could see um you know playing some tunes in the corner uh maybe a little bit more natural light as well um i've walked into a few rooms that were pretty pretty dimly lit outside of you know trance star lighting just sort of pulsing from the sky like um very hard on the eyes you know what's great though you know, it's great because the weather's always good here. It's always sunny. There's always like, you know, if there's clouds in the sky, they're always beautifully white, like pearl white clouds that seem to just drift away ever so slowly. And they've got so much real estate in the back. Like from the front, it doesn't look like much, but from the back, you really see just how the backyard opens up. They should put a, a dirt track in there and they should get some carts in there. What do you think? I think that'd be a fantastic idea. They just got to make sure they don't sort of dig up the uh, sort of green mushroom uh, sort of garden they've got going on the side there. Because, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of money and a lot of value there uh, if they do decide to maybe open up a little shop front to sell said mushrooms. I don't know about the legalities of that, if there is some suspect, in quotes, medicinal sort of qualities from said mushrooms. But, mm. mate, a cart track in the back would not go astray. Um, maybe they could put a little back nine in there, sort of have a little sort of golf course going on through there. Mm. Um, may- maybe they could redesign and repurpose the garage and have it as a little doctor studio and have, you know, Dr. Mario working in there sort of curing what ails the local residents of, um, you know, House of Mario Town. So I like yeah, that idea. Plenty of options. I like that idea. I'll tell you what I wouldn't change. I wouldn't change the water feature out the front with the Master Sword Kind of like in a King Arthur sword in the stone sort of sculpture. Um, I, I wouldn't move that, that that water feature. I think that's beautiful. Keep that. No way. The, the way the light shines off Reggie's naked body um, as he sort of holds <laughs> that sword with all the grace of a king is... It's a sight to behold, you know? Like, I had no idea that Reggie's buttocks 
was that pert is that, that type perky. yeah i agree um like god damn it's 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 goals you know i i saw that when i walked in you know parked out the front and saw reggie sort of smiling candid grin with this big this big sword and that that buttocks and that package like my goodness um <laughs> yeah onwards and upwards good sir i know you're retired now but you've got a few career options you could go into with a body like that my friend mm, absolutely absolutely i agree i look i love the house you've got our notes boys Fill the well, build the dirt track, keep the mushrooms growing. Maybe, maybe start selling them legally, mm-hmm. and and maybe maybe take take the wall out between the the living room and the kitchen. Really open it up, make that sense of space much more grand. I, I think less is more in these types of houses. Open it all up, bring in more natural lighting. Maybe remove a couple of the stripper poles. Like, I don't think you need wow. six. One or one or two is probably more than enough. But who am I to judge? You know, yeah, each room. Really- <laughs> It really goes from kid-friendly to uh, adults-only very quickly uh, in that space. But, mm. uh, but but there you have it, Drew. Will Bryce, Drew, bring the poles down to, what, two? Did we say two? Maybe they should have one each. And maybe they should be like proper fireman poles going from upstairs to downstairs. What do you think of that? See, then there's utility. I like then that. There's utility. I like that. Yep. Drew, yep. Bryce, you've just been house rules mm-hmm. mm. All right. And on that note, uh, we are going to bring this episode to a close. Thank you for stopping by the House of Mario. It has been our pleasure to bring you this very special episode 93 of the House of Mario podcast. As mentioned, I am Brendan. That is Salim. We are both from the Hungry Gamers podcast and proud card-carrying members of the hashtag 8-Bit Collective. Uh, Be sure to rate, review, subscribe this podcast, our podcast, and every other podcast you listen to because those ratings and reviews help keep the emotional lights on in our hearts Dream, is there anything you want to say before we uh, you know, say our final goodbyes here at the uh, House of Mario? Uh, none other than thank you uh, again to, uh, to Drew and Bryce. Thank you for letting us jump on and, uh, and, and have fun with, with the House of Mario. And, and thank you very much for taking care of episode 148 for us. I, I, I look forward to listening to it. I can't wait to hear what you guys have done with, uh, with, with our beautiful baby. Yeah, thanks again for having us, guys. Uh, and if you don't mind, I'm going to take this nice little uh, hentai Bowsette painting with me as we go. So, uh, yep. All right, House of Mario listeners and broader members of the 8-Bit Nation. Until next time, much love. Stay hungry.